0: eternal righteous and invisible father in heaven praise glory honor and adoration be unto your name for your goodness and your mercy and love which you have displayed upon a world that is unappreciative a world that does not deserve any of the good things you do for us we thank you father for who you are thank you for your loving kindness Now, dear Lord, the life which you have given to us, we give back to you and ask that you consecrate it to your service. May the words which you will hear today, this morning, be a blessing to all of us and lift our hearts up to heavenly places to draw nearer and nearer to you and become more and more like you. Put your words in our mouth, O Lord, and help us to speak words that will inspire the loveliness, closeness to Jesus that we may be assimilated to your character. Do this and take the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Our High Calling, September 2 Nature Speaks of God I remember the days of old I meditate on all thy works I muse on the work of thy hands I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee, as a thirsty land. Psalm 143 verse 5 and 6 We have looked upon the lofty terraced mountains in their majestic beauty, with their rocky battlements resembling grand old castles These mountains speak to us of the desolating wrath of God, in vindication of his broken law, for they were heaved up by the stormy convulsions of the flood. They are like mighty waves that at the voice of God stood still, stiffened billows arrested in their proudest swell. These towering mountains belong to God. He presides over their rocky fastnesses. The wealth of their minds is His also, and so are the deep places of the earth. If you would see the evidences that there is a God, look around you wherever your lot may be cast. He is speaking to your senses and impressing your soul through his created works. Let your heart receive these impressions and nature will be to you an open book and will teach you divine truth through familiar things. The lofty trees will not be regarded with indifference, every opening flower, every leaf with its delicate veins will testify of the infinite skill of the great master artist. The massive rocks and towering mountains that rise in the distance are not the result of chance. They speak in silent eloquence of one who sits upon the throne of the universe high and lifted up. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. All his plans are perfect. What awe and reverence should his name inspire? God is himself the rock of ages, a refuge for his people, a covert from the storm, a shadow from the burning heat. He has given us His promises which are more firm and immovable than the rocky heights, the everlasting hills. The mountains shall depart, and the hills shall be removed, but His kindness shall not depart, nor His covenant of peace be removed from those who by faith make Him their trust. If we would look to God for help as steadfastly as these rocky, barren mountains point to the heavens above them, we should never be moved from our faith in Him and our allegiance to His holy law. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Nature Speaks of God. Our key text is Psalm 143, verse 5 and 6, which says, I remember the days of old, I meditate on all thy works, I muse on the work of thy hands, I stretch forth my hands, my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Here we see David talking about how he gets. To understand God better, and he says that he meditates on all of God's works and he muses on the work of the hands of God. What is the work of God that he is referring to here? The created work of God. Exodus chapter 20, reading from verse 8 says, or verse 9 rather says, Six days shall thou labor to all thy work, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. All that in them is, the heaven, we have the sun, the moon, the stars, they are in the heavens, and the earth everything that is in the earth God made them and that is the work of the hands of God and David says that he meditates on these works and he muses on all of it so that he his soul can be drawn towards God and he says my soul tested after thee as a testy land dwelling on the work of God in nature has a power to draw our minds close to God and to long for and after him. This is a system of education that is not very popular today. Nature is being studied, but the God of nature is being set apart, put aside. But even though he is put aside, those who study nature get to see wondrous things that their hearts, if they would allow it to be convicted, would say to them that there is a God because of the evidences overwhelming evidences that they see in nature telling them that for these things to have been created there should be a creator and there are not just a few but many people scientists who with their clear consciences studying nature have been drawn to god to change their views based on what they were taught that there is no God and there is evolution and all of that but their views have changed to believe that there is a God just by studying nature and there are others of course who are I would say stubborn though they see these things I remember one of them saying that even though he sees these works and he was asked the question when you see these works in nature in the universe the stars the sun and their beauty and majesty and power does it not arouse in you the thoughts and evidence that there is a God and the man paused for a long while and then he answered yes that he does that and then the next statement was paraphrasing he said but he kills the thought he admits that when he sees the work the works in nature something in him is saying there is a creator there is a master designer someone did these things but, he says, even though his mind is being convicted and his conscience is telling him this is no big bang. Someone did this. It is too arranged. It is too symmetrical. The patterns are too clear. But, he says, he kills that thought. The fact is that no one would go to a mountain and would not be filled with a sense of the majesty of God, when you see it's towering up, or go to the sea, the deep sea, and see how mighty it is, and will not be filled with some sense of the awesomeness of God. When you look at these things, man becomes so insignificant, and they understand there is something bigger than us out there. That is what nature does it makes us to see and understand these are the evidences that there is a God. But much more than that, nature teaches us, teaches us, not just makes us to see evidences that does, God does exist, but also gives us lessons of life which has to do with God also. One of the things we will notice very quickly about nature is that nature is marred. There's so much about nature that is not also beautiful, that's the truth. There's the beautiful part, and there's a part of it that is really strange and we wonder, what is this? If we want to learn about nature, God himself will teach us. You may look at the birds and look at the trees and the flowers and the soil and the stars and the moon the sun. We look at all these things and you ask yourself, what am I to learn from them, what is there for me to learn? Come, sit at the feet of Jesus, come. He will teach you what you should learn from these things. Perhaps you observe the weeds, the thorns and thistles, which are of no use to us. We look at these weeds and plants and what is this? It's of no use to us. And you are wondering, what do I learn from it? God is not saying to you to go now to nature and start to bring some gymnastics and bring out lessons that is not actually there. Don't worry. Humble yourself. Come to him. Come to the word of God and it will explain what you should learn from nature. Like I'm saying now, what do you learn from thorns and thistles? None none other than our Lord Jesus Christ himself is our teacher now. And he has something to say about it. Matthew 13. I'll be reading now from verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was springing up and brought forth fruit... Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them let both grow together until the harvest and in the time of the harvest i will say to the reapers gather ye together first the tares and bind them up in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn what is the lord telling us here reading from verse 37 he says I answered and said unto them he that sowed the good seed is the son of man the field is the world the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So here God is giving us an explanation. When you walk around you and you see weed, maybe you are a farmer, and you are planting your crops, and weed is growing. And for example, someone who plants corn. When the corn is growing, there is this grass growing by the side of the corn that looks exactly like the corn. And you are not sure whether, and for those who are not very uh, familiar with farming, it is difficult when they are still tender to tell the difference between just a grass and corn itself. And you don't know which is which. Here you see that whenever you see these things happening, it should remind you of Jesus, remind you of the lesson he taught, and remind yourself also of the lessons you should practice in life, that you shouldn't quickly judge people because you don't know who is who yet. You don't know which one is the tear or the one that is with, that is the children of the kingdom or the children of of, uh, the enemy. You don't know which is which, and Jesus used nature to teach this lesson. That you should leave things. Don't judge things before their time. Also understand that when you see evil around you, it is not God who brought it. Jesus said, an enemy has done this. That is Satan, the devil. He is the one that has caused sin to come to the world. People look at nature and wonder, why do we have sickness? Why should we have babies born with uh, terrible illnesses? Where is all this coming from? the answer is given to us in nature too why is it that it is so difficult for us to have good fruits we have to cultivate it but yet when it comes to the weed nobody needs to cultivate it it's just there grows by itself it doesn't need your help why is it so an enemy has done this that is the reason as we see the sicknesses and the pestilences all around us as we see the anomalies and we know that this is not how things ought to be sickness is not good death is not good and the 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 stories we hear of the evil that happens around us remember some people blame god and say why did he make the world like this why sickness why this why that nature is there to tell us these things are also in the plant kingdom and god is telling you an enemy hath done this so next time when you see these anomalies in nature always remember that an enemy has done it and ask yourself which am i am i the weeds am i the tears or am i the wheat am i the children of god or am i part of the children of the enemy that was planted but also remember that evil will have an end don't judge it before the time a time is coming the end of the world the harvest when jesus will put an end to all of this nature as we see around us will teach us all these lessons much more that we can learn from nature just a few lessons from nature jesus used nature a lot just a few days ago i think two days ago my mom had traveled for about a week left the house where she stays just for about a week roughly a week and came back to the house and she had done something good in that house which is she cleaned it she swept it she arranged everywhere before she left but when she came back I remember her telling me that she saw in the house a need to do a lot of cleaning, that the place was filled with cockroaches. Hmm. And as she said that, I remember this lesson that Jesus said in the book of Matthew 12, reading from verse 43. He said, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Take note, the house is empty. It is swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. End of quote. So here it is, my mom swept the house, kept it garnished and neat, but it was empty for about a week. And when she came back, the last state of the house was worse than when she left it. Why? What, what is the difference? There's nothing wrong in the house being swept, nothing wrong in it being garnished, but the problem was that it was empty what lesson do we learn from this thing where you leave a house if you have experienced it before just leave your house for a while i remember something happened to me even last year leaving the, a house coming to a house that there was, has been left for a long while oh the kind of things that will be there you will be surprised there will be indeed seven more wicked spirits more deadly than the previous one that's exactly how, how the house will be cockroaches will be filled in the house rats and why is that it is empty There is no life in it. Do you know that these houses, not the house itself, but the living things know the presence of life in the place? And when there's a human being, just one human being in the house, even if that house is big, those insects, those, let me call them now unclean spirits, in the sense of insects and the rodents, they know that... A human being is here, there's life in this house, and out of respect for that, they stay away. They don't come so much, but when there's no one in the house, they come in plenty of them. This is a lesson for us in nature that in our souls, if we clean it and keep it garnished, but the spirit of the Lord which gives life is not there, that spirit, like Jesus said, the evil spirit that was gone away will go and get seven more wicked spirits more deadly than itself and states of our souls will be worse than when it was not even clean the first time the evil spirit was not taken away an object lesson for us there that we must keep our souls filled with the holy spirit there should be life in us and life is contained in the word of god we should be filled the word of god which is the spirit of god if not though we look ever so clean and garnished we will be filled with cockroaches in A very short time when we do not allow the Spirit of God to dwell in us. This is just one other lesson we can learn from nature. And the Bible has much, much more to say. When you look at the flowers, for example, it should teach us the lesson that we cannot endure forever, but the Word of God endures forever. In the book of James, chapter 1, James speaking about the flowers from verse 10 says, But the rich, in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Isaiah forty verse seven The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And Peter, repeating the same lesson, says, For all flesh is grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. We are to see the beautiful flowers and see ourselves in them. As you see that flower, tomorrow it dies. We should remind you of yourself too. That's how your life is. It's like the grass of the flower. It perishes even though outwardly it looks so beautiful. But Jesus also had another lesson to use the flowers to teach us. Luke 12, reading from verse 27, he said to us, Consider, that is like David said, Muse, meditate. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So next time you see the flowers, you learn this lesson. You let it remind you of what Jesus said about them. How they don't toil, they don't spin. And I can say, I understand this lesson indeed. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I can say with my own life that I have put this text to the test. I have proven it and it is true. In my life, by the grace of God, I have been trying. Not that I am righteous or holy, but to seek first the kingdom of god trying to do these things and the lord has never failed just like the flowers that don't toil and spin and the lord makes them what they are he takes care of them so also has the lord been taking care of me and even my brothers too the same thing provides the needs that we uh he knows that are necessary for us and he takes care of everything If you would put God to the test, considering the lilies and asking yourself, and not just the lilies, we are going to the birds now. Let me just read that one too. And the birds, Jesus said in verse 22, Luke 12 verse 22, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, that's they don't have any bank account. As one of my brothers here he doesn't have any bank account, he doesn't, he doesn't have to use the ATM which neither have storehouse nor barn and God feeded them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? why take your thought for the rest is the question that jesus is asking us seek first the kingdom of god that doesn't mean that you don't work that doesn't mean that you don't do what you're supposed to do. The Bible commands us that you should work. Six days shall I and do all your work. What Jesus is saying here is, while doing anything you are doing, let your first consideration be that I will not do anything that will cause me to sin. Seek first the kingdom of God. If I'm put in a position where I need to either choose to sin against God and get some means of living money job any of those things or i will lose those material things and job and all just so that i can preserve my seeking of the kingdom of god the choice i am to make is not to sin against god but if need be lose everything in this world and preserve my relationship with god that's what he's saying seek first the kingdom of god don't do that thing that you know is wrong just because you are trying to toil and trying to make ends meet so that you can have clothes and food and houses and then you say oh no I have to write that exam on Sabbath oh no I have to tell a lie I have to do this and that that is against the Word of God you are not seeking first the kingdom of God trust in the Lord is what he's saying consider the lilies look at those birds around you look at them who is feeding them are you the one feeding them look at the lilies how it is growing who is supplying nutrients for it don't sin against God don't worry Don't think that your success must come only by sinning against God. Leave it alone. God will take care of you. Consider the lilies how they grow. Exercise some faith. Believe in God. Lose that thing that needs to be lost. Cut yourself away from that thing. Not that it is bad in and of itself, but holding on to it now has come to a position that if you keep holding on to it, you need to sin against God, then you have to leave it alone. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God will take care of you. But look at the lilies in case you are losing faith. Look at the birds in case you are losing faith. There's lessons of God to learn from them. And the Lord can increase our faith just by looking at them. What more can we learn from nature? Work. I I just talked about work now. God says we should work. Six days shall thou labor do all thy work. The Sabbath commandment in Exodus 20 verse 9, that's what it says. Now God says to us, Proverbs chapter 6, Verse 6, Go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways, you see that word again, consider the lilies, consider the ants, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, when wilt thou arise out of thy sleep, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So here again, the Lord is saying to us that we need to be disciplined. And when you look at the ants, you see discipline. Some people cannot run a business for themselves because they will not. Since nobody is there to punish them for waking up late, they are not going to. Their salary is not going to be cut down. They will sleep till morning and open their shop very late whenever they want, close it as early as they want. But if they were working under someone, they will be more disciplined because somebody is controlling them. They have a ruler. But God is saying to us, Consider the ants. They have no ruler, they don't have any overseer. They are disciplined themselves, not because anybody is telling them. Go and do this, I'll punish you. Nobody is telling them time to come to work at 7.30 and then if you do, they put punishments for not coming by 7.30 and all of that. They are disciplined in and of themselves and God is telling us consider these ants. Be wise, learn from them. These are the things we see in nature around us. And God is saying if you will look at nature, there are lessons that God wants to teach us from nature and perhaps you are wondering about your own life oh i've been trying so much i'm not seeing myself grow and you are looking at others too and you're expecting them they should just bear fruit once no it's not so jesus said that the plants grow and we see it in nature too you don't put a seed into the ground and then immediately you just get fruit first of all first the blade then the ear then the full corn in the ear it takes time for fruits to come out so also we should understand that when walking with god that's how it is the seed is sown and then it's, it's nourished nurtured before fruit comes out there's one other lesson about fruit bearing that the lord wants us to teach us wants to teach us especially those of us who are living in these last days those of us who are living in these last days he talks about false prophets matthew 7 verse 15 beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. God is telling us here how to make conclusions. Look at the tree. How do you know a tree? When you see mango coming out of a tree, what do you call it? You call it mango tree. And there are some plants that are alike. For example, when you look at uh, turmeric and ginger, they both look alike. Banana and plantain, they both look alike. And it's very difficult to tell the difference between the two until the fruit comes out and you look at it and you say oh now nah, you know this is a banana tree not a plantain tree or you dig the turmeric and then you bring it out and you say oh there are even four of them not just two they have the turmeric the ginger the galanga and the the white the turmeric four of them that's zudari, zudari, galanga ginger and turmeric four of them look ex- almost exactly alike but their fruits are different Jesus is telling us that is how it is with human beings. We may all say the same thing and preach the same thing, but do you want to know who is who? Do you want to know who is the true prophet of God? Just as you look at the trees and see their fruits and know them by their fruits, it's very difficult, I tell you, to tell the difference between banana and plantain until the fruit comes out. And these four I just mentioned, zeodary, galangal, ginger, turmeric, Just by their plants and their leaves alone, you cannot know the difference. Until the fruit comes out, then you now know the difference. Jesus is telling you, look at people's character. Forget what they are saying. Don't let them deceive you with the leaves of what they say. Let the fruit come out. Let the character come out. Only those who are living by the word of God are his true people. And that's why he said, not everyone who says, say, say with the words. It's not the words that you used to tell the, the, the people. Words are just like leaves. They are like leaves. It's not those who say to me, Lord, Lord, I will enter into my kingdom, but those who do the will of my father. That is the fruit now. People are being deceived now because they are not following this principle of checking fruits. They are checking words instead of checking fruits. They're looking at leaves. If you look at the leaves, you'll be deceived. You call banana planting and planting banana. You call ginger turmeric and you call turmeric ginger. And you call zeodary galangal and call galangal ginger. You just keep mixing it up until you check the fruit. Be conclusive when you see the fruit. That's what he's telling you. Some people are afraid to call people false prophets because they, they are afraid. Because I, but I'm hearing his words. I'm hearing what he's preaching. But what of his fruits? Are you checking his fruits? What is his character like? Is he in harmony with the word of God? If it is not, don't be hesitant. This is what it is. I saw the fruit and that is what it is. I saw that this person is not living according to the commandments of God. Then that is exactly what it is. That is his fruit. Do not be afraid. God is teaching us true nature to understand these things. Solemn lessons to learn from nature, object lessons that the Lord would have us learn. One other very, very important, perhaps the last I'll use now, lesson that God wants us to understand is our own bearing of fruit and how that can be done. The book of John 15, Jesus said, verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing nothing i'll stop there so you see around you trees i'm just trying to use lessons that are peculiar to everyone in the world everywhere in the world there are trees except you go to the northern hemisphere but we see trees everywhere you see branches cut off and when you see these things you should teach us of god god is like the vine and we are the branches if we cut ourselves away from him not abiding staying grafted into him we will not bear fruit that's what he's saying we will not bear fruit But if we stay with him, abiding in him through prayer, abiding in him through Bible study, and meditating on his word, we will bear fruit. But it is possible also that some people may abide in a vine and yet not bear fruit. And Jesus had something to say about that. There was a time when Jesus was walking and saw this fig tree. And this tree did not have any fruit on it. And when he saw that fig tree which had no fruit on it, he said to the tree that no one will eat anything from you again. And let me read now from Mark chapter eleven. Mark eleven, reading from verse twelve, he says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves. He came if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter for ever. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto him, Have faith in God for verily I say unto you that whatsoever sh- whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith. therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them but one lesson I want us to get from here and also in the parable that Jesus gave in the book of Luke 13 about a tree that a man planted and three years did not bear fruit he said cut it down the lord is watching us too as we see around us trees let us remind ourselves that i am like that branch and if i'm not bear fruit i'm not i'm not bearing fruit it can be said of me it can also be said of me cut it down may the lord not cut us down it's my prayer let us learn to get these lessons from nature amen Amen.
1: Today's devotion assures us that God is actually calling for our attention. The second paragraph, our High Calling 251 paragraph 3 rather, says, If you would see the evidences that there is a God, look around you, wherever your lot may be cast. He is speaking to your senses. And impressing your soul through his created works let your heart receive these impressions and nature will be to you an open book and will teach you divine truth through familiar things the lofty trees will not be regarded with indifference every opening flower every leaf with its delicate veins will testify of the infinite skill of the great master artist. The massive rocks and towering mountains that rise in the distance are not the result of chance. They speak in silent eloquence of one who sits upon the throne of the universe high and lifted up. All his plans are perfect known unto god are all his works from the beginning of the world what awe and reverence should his name inspire And of quote so i should really be lord help me to see what you have me to you, you want me to hear today help me to perceive the things in nature let your holy spirit grant me the insight that you want me to have with things around me once we went for a camp a bible camp and we went sightseeing to see some nature sites, and we saw a palm tree that had hundreds of birds that had nests built on it there were so many and we were wondering how is it that they all accommodate each other, everyone building their nests, and there was this they didn't have this competition, everyone chose his own spot, and everyone worked hard morning, day. And then I was wondering this must be how God also has a spot for each one of us in this life. If we could only understand that God has given to us a position, a post of duty, then there's no need to compete or be afraid of the other person, what he or she is building, whatever the nest may look like. I I remember also after youth service, one of the challenges that came on my mind was how do you fit into the world, this pressure of competition, how do you survive? There's so many interviews you have to write or you have to attend to. How do you survive? I know I was so much perplexed. It was only as God, through the help of the Holy Spirit, took my mind to the things that God had created. The mango trees, the palm trees, you see the coconut tree, you see the oranges, plantain. Everything has its place. They don't compete against each other because my duty is different from your duty so that mind seeing that everything has a function first helped me to understand okay God really has a place for me so God was communicating to my mind the idea that see things have their place there is no competition in life I know why you're here and I now have the duty I have a responsibility for you And then the fact that each of these trees bear fruit. And that fruit is unto usefulness, is for service, is for help of those who are around. Son, that's what I want you to also be focused about. How can you be useful to this world with your own set of talents or skills or blessings which I have given to you? And that idea gotten from nature. The things in nature really quelled my fear. It, it made me calm. It gave me a sense of understanding. I said, God, thank you for this idea. Because I was anxious and troubled and worried. Seeing the rush and the, the heat, the pressure in life right from school or the exam things. So you feel that that's the way life is going to be. And you, you scare yourself and say, ah, how am I going to fit in? Now it's you against the world, not you for the world or you in service to the world, but you against the world. Anybody who stands on the way will be brought down. But a simple lesson in nature, by the help of the Holy Spirit, being sensitive to the lesson the Holy Spirit wanted to communicate helped me. I read this lesson of purpose in Psalm 139. And it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising, thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attend unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Verse 8. Now, as I read verse 8, I want you to understand David now uses the things of nature to communicate how much god is involved in his life he said in verse 8 again 139 of psalms if i ascend up into the heaven thou art there if i make my bed in hell behold thou art there hell there means the grave verse 9 if i take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. You see that? Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. You see so david both in the night and day he has a sense he understands that god is with him so even when we enter darkness or we see things in our life that are like darkness we have experiences We should still understand that god still penetrates the dark why because there are still stars that shine at night and those stars are suns from other planets Though they may not appear like sun to you now, but they are still shining. God is still interested, even below, above the clouds. Rather, they are still the sun shining. It is true that the cloud may be covering your own eyes from the 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 sun. Yes, any time you see the cloud covering the sun, the sun, it doesn't mean that there is no sunlight. The sunlight is just above aboveboard. Just the same way the Son of Righteousness, which is Christ Himself, He is there. So even if there's a rain, a rainstorm, or there are difficult parts of our life, we should still understand God is there. I'll continue with Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect and in in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them how precious also are thy thoughts unto me O God how great is the sum of them If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand, which when I awake, I am still with thee. So, you see, the sand. So, when you, when you, there's some things David has mentioned here now. He has talked about the sand of the sea. So, if you have an opportunity and you go to a sand beach, or even as you walk around, as we walk around this, you meet a heap of sand. You can remind yourself and say, God said, His thoughts for me are more than the sands of the sea. That's, they are even detailed and he, he has good thoughts. I know the Spirit of prophecy said that God has a thousand ways to take care of us, of which we have knowledge of none. There are a thousand ways that God can take care of you. So, you see the sun it doesn't look meaningless to you. you. You see, even a pregnant woman, from what David is saying here, while he was in the mother's womb, even before he was fashioned that God had written everything about him in the book and he says such thought is too wonderful for me was it not Jeremiah that God told him before you were formed in your mother's womb I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet that's before you were formed in your mother's womb before you were even your mother's your mother conceived you before there was even the thought of you being born God had a plan for your life such wonderful thought and i will join the psalmist to say how precious also are thy thoughts unto me O god how great is the sum of them god has a lot to tell us and as we read through the bible we'll find more examples of things in nature like my brother has said before I remember once too a set of a kind of anxiety settled on my mind, I was thinking how about how a certain plan was going to work out. It was much like a cloud. Until God just helped my mind just come outside and see something. As I came outside, I saw the birds fly, and then my mind was taken to that text we know in Matthew 6, where Jesus said, behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into bands yet your heavenly father feeded them are ye not much better than they which of you by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his statue just within a split second believing this word calmed my nerves and the fact that it was just at the moment I needed it, I, could, I saw the birds flying across. So just at the moment I came out of the balcony. So the thing is, we need to be sensitive. Like the reading suggests to us, God is trying to communicate to our senses. Do not let any problem or any situation overwhelm you or make you feel like, God, where are you? No. Let's be attentive and pray for God. What can, What do you want to tell me? I will listen. I will believe you. So that our lives will be the simple outworking of God's plan. The reading says every day God is speaking to us. So we should expect that today there are lessons God wants us to learn from nature. As we also read our Bibles, I would like us to take note of the principles Jesus uses with nature or like we read from the psalmist now, so that we can use it to communicate to others too. Yes, we can use it to communicate to others. The Object lessons in nature, Less- nature will no longer just be blank. I see in this in the current state of uh, events now, like there's a lot of rainfall here. If you just go out, everybody is complaining. Rainfall, rainfall. This rain doesn't want us to use. Everybody's just complaining. As Christians, we should better present the rainfall in a truer light. There's a time for everything. You notice that the ants do their work in a certain way. They avoid rainfall. they walk during the the, the or during the summer against winter. So we should also plan with events. Rainfall has always had its seasons, not today. it has always the best thing we can do is to plan with it. and if the rains don't fall, what will happen to the crops? The farmers will tell you the rain is important. They pray for the rain. They pray for it. And the rain is a token of God's goodness to us. The Bible says he gives it to the wicked and also to the good. So rather than complain about the blessings of the things in nature, let's help to put God in the right light and also help our minds not to complain about the things in life. We pray that the blessings of the Lord will be with us as we enjoy god speaking to our senses through nature amen let's pray our dear lord we thank you for these things that have been placed in nature by your thoughtful care lord as we go out today we pray that the holy spirit will help us to intercept these thoughts to know them to perceive them, to appreciate them. May they be heartwarming to us. May may we also communicate it to those around us. May it be a source of strength and courage. Please, our hearts are dull. I can testify. Our hearts are dull. Except it is helped by Holy Spirit. We will see no meaning in any of these things. So Lord, we yield ourselves to you that your Spirit will quicken us and make it easy for us to understand these things thank you father for blessing us today in jesus name amen